At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Think of the children! You must walk feminine, talk feminine, smile and beguile feminine, utilize your femininity. That's what every girl should know, if she wants to catch a bow. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises. But sometimes, just sometimes, it is one of our regular contributors' birthday, and we let them pick a movie that does not fit into any franchise, does not have a sequel, (laughs) is not going to go on a lunchbox, and... It was Brookheim's birthday this week, and she picked Louise by the Sea, or by the, Louise by the Shore, excuse me, uh, a French animated film uh, that, just wow, interesting choice. Brooke, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. <laughs> so, and and Melissa, our returning champion, is also here. Hello. Have you noticed that... that- the ladies for their birthday did not pick American films. We both yes, films. I did notice that. The bar has been raised. <laughs> well, I think what? JB was think was trying to pick a Spanish film too. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what he ends up doing. But yes, uh, that's very good. Um, so interesting choice, Brooke. Tell us why you chose this. Well. If we're being totally honest and fair, I feel like it chose me. Hmm. And after experiencing it, like, okay, so I was watching just rando movies on Amazon one night. um, Because Chip was over and I didn't feel like turning off the TV. And so I just kept scrolling through random movies and uh, the one Dare to be Wild popped up and it was cool. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, but not, like, super clever or anything, but an interesting story. And then uh, this one was the next one that came up in the, since you watched this, you might enjoy this. And so I turned it on, and I watched it, and I was immediately, like, enthralled with it. It's, which is really weird to say because it's so slow. Mm Mm-hmm. But... (sighs) I think right now I was having a conversation with one of my friends the other the other day and then again um, today on my coffee date about where I'm at in my life right now. And the thing that I keep summing it up as is like I feel like I am like in a space of wanting to be solo, like m- me, but not alone, not necessarily without connection or proximity to other people and obviously like I'm a mom so I'm always in that role and that's great and I love it and I love being like my outside connections like 
I really love my friends and I love the companionship and connection that I have. But I also am like the idea of being by the shore. So it's it's a movie about an old woman on the surface who gets stuck in the town that she goes to vacation in. And she's there all alone throughout this like calendar year and what she does with her time there and things. And, and I think it goes much deeper into the idea of dementia and what it means to grow old and what our lives amass to and, and what we take with us. Um, but as I was watching it and Chip, <laughs> Chip was laying there next to me and he's like, yeah, this is like your idea of heaven. Like getting stuck in a seaside town all by yourself with a dog and starting your own little garden and just being able to reminisce in your own time and do whatever you want. And I was like, that really does sound like heaven to me. <laughs> that sounds perfect. And um, I wanted, I don't know, I just wanted to get everyone else's, it's such an interesting piece and it goes into so many different layers that I was really curious as to how you all would experience it. And because we're all in a little bit different stages of life in different places. And I was just really interested to see if I'm just a weirdo who can like romanticize the aloneness of things or if, if there's something more connective to this movie for, for more people. Yeah. Melissa, how did, how did it hit you? So, I, I really like this movie overall. Um, there's it, It's weird because it, it, it moves very slow, but it looks like a moving painting. Yeah. The way it's drawn, the way it's animated. It looks so beautiful. It, it looks like art. And, and sometimes, most of the time that's good, but occasionally it does distract a little from the story, you know? Um, which is one of the few complaints I really have about it. But... It, it really is gorgeous to look at, but it also is very cerebral. Um, especially later when we get to like our favorite quotes and stuff, there's a few things in this movie that were said that, I mean, really kind of boiled my noodle a little bit, you know? Mm. It really made me think and, and I'm still thinking about it. And I don't know if like that gave me a headache or if I just got a headache, but I had to... I, I got a little bit of a headache after I was like, oh God, I got to go take a, you know, uh, an Aleve or something for this. But it, it does make you think there is some real depth to the way they build her character out and show us like her childhood and, and her, like, you know, her husband and her life. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it really does kind of hit you. You have to pay attention. There's no action here. This isn't one of those cartoons where, a bunch of shit oh, yeah, happens. No. You know what I mean? It's this very is like the anti-Disney. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it really is. Maybe um, we all needed that palette. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, it will make you think if you pay attention, it will absolutely make you think. And so, yeah, I'm very happy that you gave us this movie to watch. Oh, I'm so glad. Andy, yeah. how about you? Um, I had a I had a problem with this movie, but I eventually got over it. Um, you know, the I've I've said this before, the you know, by the premise, by the bit. And I just I had a hard time from the beginning, I'm like, well, surely like the town doesn't just empty during the winter time. 
And surely she's not the only one there. And surely, like, her family will not, like, find a way to come and visit her. Like, they will send another train or send a car or something. And I thought, like, that's what it was going to sort of be about. And then I'm like, um, by the time she found Tom, uh, the dead paratrooper, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I get it. This isn't. This is meant to be surreal. This isn't like I should stop thinking so literally about this and just um, <laughs> just enjoy it and mm -hmm. and try to vibe with the movie on the on the level of energy that it's putting out. And then I was like, I was like pretty chill. I'm like, okay, I get this. Brooke, you said this was like your idea of heaven. This is my idea of hell. I do not want to be alone. Um, if the birds were to find me and put me on trial and send me and sentence me to solitude, I would be like, uh, no death, please. Death instead. I could I could not do this. Even with a dog. I would just Interesting. Yeah. It would just be it would just be too hard. I feel so. like that's why so, oh, I have so many thoughts about the whole thing, but <clears throat> I will say the first time that I watched it through Andy, I was in the same place as you. Like my, my little autism brain was like, but wait, when are they showing up? And why aren't the phones working? And the train's just going to suddenly work again? Like there was this part of me that was like, what, what? And, but I was still enjoying it and I still appreciated the movie at that level. And it wasn't until a few days later that I thought back on it and I was like, oh, <laughs> this woman is in dementia. Mm -hmm. And none of these things yeah. are really happening. And so being sentenced to isolation, solitude and perpetuity and, the re and I was like, oh, I totally missed it. <laughs> I need to go back and rewatch this movie. And then I experienced it from a totally different place. But I think that because of where I'm at right now, like the idea of being in this town and having people show up once in a while and wondering what all the hullabaloo is about and, and asking like why maybe they should leave the children alone. Like all these things, like in my literal mind, I was like, I could still get on board with that. Mm -hmm. but that's because I'm yeah. a weirdo <laughs> yeah it's a uh, it's it's a it's a tough movie and it's it really expects a lot out of you and I think I mean it's it's really fun to you know have gone so deep into Disney and really think oh well that's this is how animated movies are done and like all American animated movies are like this and they're bombastic and they have fun little things going on. And even like, um, even stuff that is in American animation, like Miyazaki or, uh, the people who made like secret of Kells and, and wolf walkers. It's like it, there's a, a ton of inspiration still taken from Disney about like how, active everything needs to be this is very quiet and um and very 
very French. There, it's like I, <laughs> I had just expected her to like start smoking and like talking about ennui, and, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what what else? What else hit y'all? Well, for me, it was how blunt she was about certain things. You know, in a way that I think most Americans might clutch their pearls a little, like, um, mm-hmm. like she implied that she she's like, well, kind of. I'm paraphrasing, but she was in one part. She's like, I had many children and probably a lot of grandchildren, which like she doesn't know how many. She like, she doesn't keep track, and it doesn't seem to bother her that she doesn't remember how many grandchildren she has. You know, I yeah. think most Americans would be like, oh, because we expect our grandmas to be like these little baking you know, loving grannies, you know what I mean? Like wise old sweet ladies and stuff. And she's like, I probably have a lot of grandkids. You know what I mean? Like she just, it it just, how it doesn't seem to matter that she didn't remember, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's not who she is. She's the, she's the girl who like would take the boys out into the forest to make out with them. To show them a dead body and then laugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved that scene. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's that's my favorite part of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. She's uh, she's a little pistol, um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it's and the but going back to what Brooke said about you know this this being a you know potentially something that's sort of trying to delve into dementia and you know maybe she really doesn't know not that she doesn't want to know but just memory is such a weird Mm -hmm. fleeting thing and you know she doesn't remember the near short term she doesn't remember her grandkids she barely remembers her children she somewhat remembers her childhood and her husband and her her mean strict grandma um, but you know, but that's about it. So. Well, and I thought it was really interesting because I think you're right. I think from the way that it's being written, she doesn't know. And I, I felt like, um, I feel like that's a really important part of this is that I am in, in my second viewing of it. I was watching it as though this is where she really believes she is every day. And she's continuing to see the calendar moving and Mm. she doesn't understand why no one's there. And she doesn't understand why she's alone on Christmas. And I think that um, in the mind of someone like who who is trapped in this mind when she's exploring her life from this place. And she says at the beginning, uh, I wasn't frightened, but I was annoyed. Right. She's talking about how no one is there and she's, she's not frightened, but she's annoyed by it that she would be left and that there, there aren't other people around. And, and she starts wondering, Oh, when will they show up? And then she wonders, I wonder if I can manage by myself. And I mm-hmm. think that every day, she's in like she's in her routine she talks about her routine and she talks about how she her favorite part of the day is exploring and and then she talks about how she went up to put one of her last quarters in the the vision the the telescope the telescope 
And she said, I I realized I didn't need it. And I I think that's really interesting because what she was looking at were the cliffs of her memory. And she's looking back and her her distant sight is getting clearer. And it feels like the longer she's trapped in her mind in this aloneness, she's seeing her past more clearly. And these these long-term past things, the distance is what's coming back to her and she's looking at the moments the the core memory moments that formed her and what they meant to her and and i think that that's a really beautiful exploration and and then we go through the whole rest of the movie right and the people all come back and she recognizes them and and she's repeating the same lines at the end of the movie that she says at the beginning Mm And I, I just feel like it's this really, like, everything that's happening is full reality to her. Even if it's not what's actually happening around her. And I think that that is really reflective of how people end up getting stuck in their minds. Not even necessarily people with just dementia, but like all of us, right? Like, <laughs> sometimes we can be so stuck in what we're seeing as happening around us. We're not seeing the whole picture. And I know I've done that through several different points of my life. Um, Coming out of the relationship that I'm coming out of, I can see it very clearly how I did it in that relationship. But then also these other things, like I was only seeing what my mind could allow me to see in those moments to to make it through. And watching her, like the, the idea of an entire city shutting down, not realistic not in older days not in current days like someone something would have had to have been there but in her mind it allowed her to explore more deeply her relationships from the past and how they've influenced her and and seeing what she can yeah i really liked the trial of birds i thought that scene was that's the scene that reminded me of lilo and stitch by the way when they put them on trial i was like oh that's pretty funny (laughs) that's the one that boiled my noodle the most i think yeah tell us about that um well well first uh, to to piggyback real quick on on what brooke was just saying i i I saw it a little differently i saw the closing down of the town which uh, yeah is unrealistic there's got to be townies right i mean every right every summer resort has their townies you know that that live there year round even when all the visitors and tourists leave you know um but there wasn't a single townie here but i felt like the reason they did that i felt like for her it was a coping mechanism to explain why she's alone you know because i think in her real life she probably is alone like the kids don't come visit. Maybe that's why she doesn't know how many grandkids she has. It's not dementia so much as it is. They just don't come around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so having the town shut down and be just like a ghost town, um, that's a coping mechanism. It, it explains why she's alone. So she doesn't have to feel like it's her fault for some, for some reason, because, you know, I think, because like I work with elderly people, I talk to them every day in my job and, you know, they're, they're all like, you know, 70, 80, 90 years old. And a lot of them, you know, if they start talking, they, they're like, you know, well, 
I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know why they don't come see me. You know what I mean? Like they take it on themselves. Like it was their failure as a parent. And maybe that's true, but I bet you their kids are just selfish bastards too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, or, or maybe they just are so wrapped up in how hard things are. I mean, life is tough right now. Life is crazy right now. And maybe they just don't have time for them. Who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. We don't really get that explanation here. So I felt like her making up the fact that nobody was there was a good excuse to help her cope. Like, well, this isn't my fault, but I'm going to persevere. I'm going to survive this. I'm going to, you know, and, and it gives the writers a reason for her to be, completely alone and you know when you're alone and left to your own devices like that your your mind starts to wander your mind starts to take on all these things and and in this case it was her past and you know all these things that happened to her and and uh it 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 was sort of a it's like a plot device but i also think it's a coping mechanism for her personally so that she doesn't feel like she did something wrong to be alone if that makes sense Yeah, it does. I think it's really beautiful, too, because in a way, it wasn't her that did something wrong, but she created a broken clock that makes it, okay, well, my clock was broken, so I didn't catch the train, and now I get to be alone. I get to, instead of Mm -hmm. the people in my life don't love me. Yeah, exactly. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, but tell us tell us about how the trial with the birds baked okay. your noodle. Well, then I okay. I'm gonna give you then. I'm a little ahead of schedule here, but the the uh, my favorite quote because it, it made me think a little too much. There's there's two of them. The first one is not as as much, but um, but uh, well, okay. The funniest line I think um is at the trial too there's it's a very quotable trial um the funniest part was i'd love to forget him he had the same ugly mug as you did your honor like that (laughs) birds are totally savage jeez no wonder she was shooting uh them with slingshots oh those birds suck yeah Uh, and then one of the, the bird that was like defending her she was like the secret of her forgetfulness she doesn't remember her life because her life was wonderful and that she was quite simply happy. But the run that really boiled my noodle was, but happy people have no need to tell the story of their lives. Therefore, they do not need a memory. Yeah. Fuck me. I that mean, was, that, that was mine. That was mine, mine too. too. Oh, well, sorry. No. <laughs> no. It's, it's, yeah. It it's was the beauty cr- of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay. Because it made me start thinking, do we hang on to happy memories because we need them? And, and I hate to keep going back to this well, but like as a coping mechanism, when things are bad, when our life sucks and or does that mean that we're just never going to be happy as long as we have memories? Because I mean, sometimes you think of the good times and memories, even when you are happy or even just content, you know, um, but it, could it be that that's why we have memories in the first place? Like because we were unhappy and we need to remember those happy times as fleeting as they might be. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many things that that brings up so many things that makes you wonder. It's yeah. crazy. 
Today yeah, at my cool. at my coffee date, I was actually talking about this exact thing, Melissa. I love it. I love that this is where you went with it because um, it's exactly what we're talking about. What do what is our identity? What is it? What does it mean to us? What do we carry forward into our lives? What do we create from? And and in large part, this is what my coaching business is all based on: is teaching people how to to go back to past experiences and take power and, and change the story around those those moments to be for their good and betterment and to create love and beauty out of those moments instead of holding on to the pain that might have happened in them and then moving forward into a new space changing the identity that we've grown up believing about ourselves and so like we were talking about you know I knew as a young kid that the things that were happening to me I was going to use them to help other people who've been through them to, to change their lives. Like I had a, a very clear moment in my life where it was like, it's okay because you'll use this to help other people. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and the guy that I was sitting with today, he was like, so do you think, he's like, I don't, I don't want this to sound harsh or anything, but he's like, but do you, do you believe that you've now created that trauma into your identity and that it's kind of holding you captive? And I said, well, it definitely did do that when I was younger and and I've moved forward through it and it's a part of me it's something that happened but it's no longer a part of my identity and and now it has become something that I have learned through and I can see myself through different eyes and um, but those hard things used to overwhelm my mind like neurologically speaking our brains try to keep us safe and so they hold on to these hard things to protect us from them but going back to them and creating a space of, of beauty and power around them now makes them really like incredible experiences and I can go forward into the happier times and and live in those but it definitely made me ponder too what is it that I think through what is it that I remember and what is our happiness level like what is the meter? Where am I falling in this gauge? And am I remembering the happy things as much as the hard things? And it made me want to shift to having a different focus. Not that I don't want to have a memory when I get older, but I want my memory to be of the happy things and not just the hard ones. Yeah. So too. Anyway. Um it's man what a i don't know what a what a tough movie um i have a speaking of tough things i have a specific question for both of you the the time when uh when louise walks into the ocean um do you think she thinks she's going to be able to reach the shore or do you think she's like, eh, I'm, I'm done. I've had a good run. And I don't think she, my impression, I mean, she wasn't going to reach the shore. I, I, I feel like the reason why she put on that dress and, you know, kind of spiffed herself up was because that's how she wanted to go. Right. Not because that's how she wanted to be seen when she got to the other side or something. You know what I mean? She just... Like, yeah. 
she that's how she wanted to to leave the world it was looking good you know what i mean um yeah so i don't i don't think for a minute that she thought she was going to survive that so that was so tough um you know someone whose entire existence is sort of based on survival and, and she's like nope i'm i'm out that's it i'm good um that was that was tough for me to process but um thank god for pepper uh hero dog pepper um, yeah so yeah um, but I, I found that, that scene tough to deal with. Um, hard. yeah. Any, uh, yeah, not, not Disney dealing with, uh, elder suicide. Um, so, uh, any, any other things that really stuck out to y'all that you want to discuss? I really liked when she went into town and like broke into the shop. <laughs> Because it was like, it was was fun. It was interesting to watch her go in and try those things on. But in my mind, I was like, oh, like it's so symbolic of her trying to break through. Literally like breaking through the things that are stopping her from seeing herself the way that she used to. And and putting on different hats and shoes and and like having fun for herself and, and looking at all the mannequins. Like... I imagine getting older and looking at all the things around you must feel very much like looking at a bunch of mannequins around you. Like, people don't make sense. And, you know, she said in there, people are afraid of everything nowadays. We had storms in the past that didn't stop us. Mm-hmm. Like, but now everything shuts down. And and so <laughs> wandering through her life and, and like literally breaking through to to get back to a place where she could see herself i thought that was oh that was really beautiful yeah that actually kind of uh, fits into what what i was going to bring up is that um i feel like this movie is also a little bit of a study in just how blissful being alone can be Mm -hmm. um yes she faced some of her I don't know if you call them demons exactly, but but some of her memories that none of us want to face, you know, certain things. Um, And that's not always easy. Sometimes it's really hard, but there was a freedom you could tell in her, in her, you know, throwing (laughs) the, the, you know, uh, breaking the glass on that store that you were just talking about, Brooke. I feel like that's part of it. Like, she never would have done that if there were people around. She never would have done that just a few years ago. But she's older now. She's she's in her twilight years. She's, you know, and she's all by herself. And so there's a certain freedom, you know, to just let it go. You know, your inhibitions are just, just lowered or gone. And that's something like, like, like the old thing about singing in the shower. Well, why don't we sing outside the shower? Why don't we sing when we're not alone? Well, because we think nobody can hear us and that's when we're free to do something like that. You know, especially if you're a bad singer like me, right? So I, I feel like this is sort of the same way. This is her singing in the shower at the top of her lungs, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a certain beauty in not having other humans around because that's when you can be most honest with yourself and most like yourself. And so I I, I don't know if that was like an intention of 
the filmmakers to sort of, you know, make us ponder on that. But it's something that came up like this human free utopia in, in a way. You don't want to always be without others. Of course, we're social beings and we we need that human contact, that social, you know, mm-hmm. thing. But but sometimes it's good to be alone. Like people think I'm weird. Like I'll go to the movies by myself. I'll go anywhere by myself. I live by myself. I like it. But I also like being around people. I like going out and being social as well. But when you're by yourself is when you learn about yourself and when when you're most free to explore who you really are. And, and I think that that was something that came through in this movie. I think it came through very well in this movie that that as she accepted the solitude of it, um, all I can do is wait, right? She says that at the beginning, all I can do is wait. Expected people would come, no one did. All I can do is wait. And as she waited, she realized, like, at least for me watching it, I realized she's not waiting at all. She's exploring and she's finding herself and she's remembering and going through things like taking that time for herself like she ain't got no fucks to give she's gonna go back through all these things and and just really come into herself mm-hmm. and I, th- I thought that part was really beautiful when the first helicopter comes by and is looking for her and she starts like waving her arms trying to be seen and she's running after it and she trips and she watches it go away she writes in the sand why right um and then and then she moves on and and she's in her garden and she says um i mean she doesn't you don't hear her voice the word why you just see her write it out and then she said still no answer it doesn't matter i'm getting used to it (laughs) like she's got she doesn't understand why people aren't there why they can't see her, why they can't find her. But as she lets go of that need to be seen, she finds herself more clearly. And I think that that's something that, regardless of what stage of life you're in, we can really apply into our lives. Like, I don't need to be seen and heard and understood by all the people in my life if I do it for myself, if I know and understand where I'm at and why I'm doing things and what I'm working towards and even in leaving a relationship, I don't need to be understood. I don't need to be validated or justified by my the person I'm leaving or the people around me if I already know it in myself. And I thought that that was a really interesting that as she let go of asking why, she really moved fully into her garden and in her life and into Pepper and into doing these different things. And I thought that that was really really symbolic yeah i'm not convinced that she wanted to be found after a while um especially because right at the beginning no, of the movie, um she said a few things made me laugh like how they uh i i paraphrase but it was something along the lines of at the very beginning like they always come and they bring their kids and they don't need to or why do they bring their kids or they don't need to bring their kids like in blind don't bring your kids or something you know what i mean maybe it would be better if they left the kids at home yeah (laughs) i just laughed i was like okay this is not normal because again going back to what i said earlier like we expect our grannies to love kids you know to love their grandkids and this is an old granny like 
you know, don't bring your kids, you know. Um, and, I, and as a childless person, I'm kind of like, okay, I, 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 I like kids overall, but you know, sometimes I wish they weren't there too. You know what I mean? Uh, because because parents don't watch them um, a lot of times. But yeah, I, that, you know, the fact that she was already before, you know, any of this started happening before all the events were in motion, she was already kind of slightly antisocial, you know. So. Um, yeah, I'm not convinced that she wanted to be found. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's interesting. She she spends her first night back in her house, um, drinks a little. I like the first thing she does is just, like, go and grab the, the bottle of, uh, is it rum, I think? <laughs> like, oh, well... <laughs> I'm going to get drunk and, I don't know, figure things out in the morning. Um, and then, you know, as, as time goes on, she's spending more and more time outside and more and more time in nature and um, sort of moving away from from all that. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're all alone, who says you need to, you know, stay in, in that house? Who says you can't move into that other house? You can't start that garden and and sleep out under the stars there. Um, that's a that was a nice thought, a nice touch. Yeah, I like that too. That instead of staying trapped in the aloneness of her home where she feels alone, she just left and created her world. All right. Anything else? Um, I I like it when she talks about can a person be punished for having forgotten? Like when she was talking to Pepper after the bird trial. Mm. And she's like, what do you think, Pepper? Can a person be punished for having forgotten the memories of their life? And then she reads the quote from the book and it says, my shadow followed in the sand behind me step by step. And then uh, I forgot to write down the middle part, but she said, but I began to wonder if it was really my memory that was following her and getting fainter and lighter as she took each step. And I thought that was a really interesting part of the movie because then Pepper is like not talking to her anymore and and she's created devices for herself to have someone to talk to in these different things and as she's explored her past memories, again coming more into herself, She's needing all those devices less and less. She responds to the second helicopter completely different than the first. And then when all the people come back, she's just like, hmm. Okay, welcome back, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. So, I thought of something, but I, I think maybe... I want to see what y'all think, because I, I think maybe I was reading too much into this, because, you know, overthinking things, kind of my jam. So, you know, maybe I, I just read too much into it, but... Okay, so the dog, Pepper, he, he, like, talks at some point, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, she says he lost the the gift of, of talking or something like I forget exactly what she said, but it, all, it, it wasn't really explained. But, it, you know, she, she just said, oh, he stopped talking. So I sort of felt like he talked only because she needed him to at the beginning, Mm -hmm. And it may be in the middle. And then when he stopped talking, it was because she didn't need 
the companionship anymore of like the the talking part of the companionship like she only she had gained like a certain acceptance of being alone and mm -hmm. and didn't need him anymore to bounce things off of am i reading too much into that why he all of a sudden went speechless or is that a coincidence i thought that too i also thought maybe when she walked into the the water mm -hmm. and i was obviously <laughs> overthinking it way too much also but i wonder because she said that they could still understand each other right mm -hmm. She and the dog when Pepper lost the ability to speak. And I wondered if maybe it was similar to her in her real life. Maybe she had forgotten or lost the ability to speak. Mm. And mm. and she accepted it by having Pepper lose his ability to speak and still being understood. So like she needed to still be... A, I definitely saw Pepper as, as a mechanism for acceptance of what was happening around her so she's talking to pepper because she needed to have that and and i think you're right it's probably more that as she needed the attachment or connection to other people less and less pepper also stopped talking because she didn't need it anymore but i i wondered if possibly because sometimes older people they don't they lose their speech maybe the going into the ocean was a stroke and she came out unable to speak but still mm. had a need to feel understood hmm. maybe I don't yeah I don't know but I, I definitely felt like that I mean this is you know Louise who from from a very young age was like talking to dead corpses and trees so you know <laughs> still hanging around yeah uh so obviously there's um there's something there but yeah i think i think that's sort of it and the fact that it coincided with her going into the ocean i feel like was some sort of at least acceptance that like well this this portion of my life is over and i'm i'm starting a new and different chapter that is um you know, well, I'm I'm done, but I survived that. So now I'm going to continue living on, um, on these other terms. But, um, you know, but Pepper is still Pepper doesn't talk to me anymore. Um, I don't know. Maybe Pepper just disapproved. Is uh, <laughs> like very very uh, like surface level version of that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe she didn't want to hear him complain anymore, so she didn't <laughs> hear him anymore. Yeah. Shut up, you damn dog. I had enough of you. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I watched this movie, when I was taking it like in literal sense of these things literally happening around her, um, I found it really interesting. The idea at the beginning of the movie of, um. I, oh, what did she say? She said, um, doo -doo -doo in the end, oh, I was surprised, but I really didn't mind. Um, and she said that she was surprised at how much she could do on her own, right? I'm trying, I had it written down, but I don't, I can't see the, 
I wondered could I manage to myself. And then she starts doing all these things. And and part of me thought it would be interesting, like like with kids, right? When we step in and interfere and we try to help them do everything, like it helps them, sure, but it doesn't long term help them necessarily build independence and learning. And so we have to have a, a balance as parents and as people. Like how much do we do for people? How much is enabling and how much is allowing them to rise to the occasion and do things for themselves? And as she continues to move through this movie, she's like, I wasn't as clumsy as I thought that I might be. And I realized that I could do everything on my own and, and I had things to do and I didn't have time to sit around and wait on other things. Like this idea of the way that we sometimes coddle the people in our lives, whether they be elderly or young or um, stuck in cycles that aren't serving them through addiction or trauma or whatever it is, a lot of times we do things for people and it's not actually helping them hmm. the way that we wish that it was. And I think especially as as women and or just compassionate like em empathic people we're often given this idea that sacrificing ourselves and doing for others above ourselves is always going to be the most compassionate and the most helpful thing when sometimes not doing it or saying no is actually the kindest thing we could do for people would actually be the biggest gift that we could give people because then they would have to take ownership of their own lives and start making improvements for themselves. But instead, we believe that doing it for them is going to be the bigger gift when it's not. And and that part of the movie made me really think about what how are we measuring things and what opportunities are we taking from people and or giving to them every day. Interesting. Okay. Uh, any anything else? Sorry. No, no, no. That's that's good. Um. So I have I have a question that is, it, the modified version of the question I think we're we're trying to ask about all of these Disney movies. Um, which is like if, like we assume that um, well we know that these Disney movies are saying something about the times that they're created and they have cultural impact on the people that see them. This movie did not have a, the cultural impact of a frozen, you know, uh, this was, this was not an extremely popular movie, but, um, if we were to try to think about what the filmmakers were trying to do and what they were trying to reflect, and specifically what they're trying to say about how society views women or should view women. What do we think that sort of central through line is through this movie? And is that a good message? Well, I feel like it's a good message. I don't know but the best way to succinctly sum it up except that Louise is a really independent woman who's gone through different stages of her life with her grandmother with her mother dropping her off and then trying to come back with the Pierre and 
dead Tom and the other men and she gets to the end of her life and is still ready to take over it and do, do you think for this herself. movie is do you think this movie's trying to say be like Louise or is it just presenting Louise as a person? I think it's just presenting her as a person. I think it's saying find yourself and be that person. Melissa, what do you what do you think? Um, Does this have anything to say about you know feminism and whether what how women should act or? Well, it, I I think it kind of does. Like we we mentioned earlier, one of our favorite scenes is when she broke the glass in that store and just walked right in. You know, like it was no big deal. Um, I think that could be symbolic of breaking free of a lot of different things, not just her own shackles, but society's shackles and no society shackles women worse than anything. Um, because we're sort of seen as, you know, the fair sex or, you know, the, like the weaker uh, of the genders. And, and we, we, we're just easier to keep in chains really. And so in a way, I think that, you know, you could interpret that. I, I don't think it was trying to be like overtly feminist, but I think there's a lot of things you could read into it about that. Um, but I, I don't know that Louise herself is a feminist. Mm -hmm. And and remember she's elder. So, I mean, there's been a few different waves of feminism and they're all, they're all quite different. Right. And so like what she may have thought of as feminism, we may not think of it that way today, you know? Um, but, but the other problem, it's impossible to answer this question. I feel because as an intersectional feminist, I, there's no race involved in this movie. It, right. it never, it's never a thing here. Um, which is a very French thing to do, by the way. Um, what? <laughs> um, the French try to ignore race as much as possible. And that's why you're having these issues in the suburbs of Paris, you know, um, mm -hmm. because they, they pretend like we're all, they're all just French, but you can't ignore a person's ethnicity and race. You just can't in, in, in favor of nationality. It doesn't work that way. Um, so it's it's hard for me to talk about the feminism of this movie because if there's any feminism, it's a white feminism, and yeah. and I feel like that's um, that's not something that that should be representative of feminism, even though it kind of still is. Yeah, it's a it's a white first wave mm -hmm. feminism of like, well, you know, my liberation is I'm gonna take boys into the woods and and make out with them and spook them because i think that's funny mm -hmm. like that's you know and she's independent and she's strong but um yeah it's a little a little different sorry brooke you were gonna say something oh no i was just i was just agreeing that's all okay. all right any anything else or do we want to we want to go into our normal stuff. Okay. I think I covered everything I wanted to. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, 
this movie did not have a U.S. box office, um, <laughs> uh, just like just like Barfy. Uh, however, it did make four hundred and seventy-eight thousand uh, dollars internationally. So it did it did make a little bit. It was uh, successful on the independent European film circuit, and that was about it. This was not a, a huge huge thing um do you know how much it costs to produce it i have no idea but i am sure more than half a million dollars yeah like <laughs> i yeah i just can't imagine unless unless it was just the director hand painting every single one of these things himself and like he didn't he didn't pay anybody like this this kind of animation yeah it's money this is um, do we have any studio notes? Hmm. I, it's not, it's not that I think this is like a perfect movie, but I don't know if there's anything that I'd really change. Um, because I think it's accomplishing what it's trying to accomplish with what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I. I think it made me think so much that I haven't thought about what I would change in it. Mm. Yeah, I just watched it today, so I, I haven't had a chance to really let it digest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've only seen it once, and I do think that this is a movie where you kind of need to see it multiple times. I mean, I got a lot out of it for just one viewing, like two hours ago, three hours ago. But like, um, I, I also think that I spent so much time since the end until now just pondering over memories and stuff that, like, I, um, I, I don't know. I, I, it's not a perfect movie, but I, I don't know what I would change. Exactly. I don't think necessarily anything needs to be changed. It is what it is, you know? Right. Um, but I might feel differently upon a second viewing. Yeah. I mean, I think your your point about, um, you know, intersectional feminism and, you know, erasure of anyone who's not European white in this movie is pretty pretty stark even though she is on her own the pretty much the entire yeah. movie but it's um it, still and, and i and you know my best friend is french so i'm not trying to impugn the french or anything and i'm certainly not trying to offend them like the italians get offended by our podcast periodically <laughs> but, yep. um, but but the french have a clear issue with race they really do i mean they were such a homogenous society for so long and now they're they're getting more multicultural. I mean, it's still very white dominant, but the more multicultural they get, the more immigrants come in from other countries. Um, you know, they're going to have a reckoning and, and it's not going to be pretty because we're going through that reckoning right now in this country. We are and definitely. It's, it's ugly. Yep. It's very ugly and deadly and bloody and really brings out the worst in a lot of people. Um, so, I don't expect anything different from them. And, and, and to be honest, 
you know, you were saying how this movie, it, it accomplishes what it wants to. Um, if you bring in a racial component, it, it, that would might distract from it, you know? Exactly. Um, so yeah. I'm not sure that belongs here. But if we're talking about feminism, then, you know, it's hard for me to call this movie or this character feminist when I haven't seen any interaction with people other than, you know, herself. Right. All right. Uh, I think we already did the, the best one-liners or quotes, unless there are, there are some still out there that y'all want to. Um, let me pull up my notes real quick. Um, no, I think we got them. I got most, we got most of them. Okay. Uh, best side character. Pepper. Yeah. Or Tom. Tom's my favorite. But Pepper's so good, right? Yeah. Pepper's the, the best boy. He's a good <laughs> Good dog. Good dog character. I mean, he did save her life, you know. He did. And I think he saved her life even before then, too. I think oh, yeah. he was, you know, um, yeah. I did also really like her grandmother. Yeah? Yeah. I just thought, I thought it was nice generationally to just show... Like, even though she saw her grandmother as, as harsh and having gone through the war and things, she still is giving love in the only way she knows how. And still, like, trying to provide for her better than what her own daughter and Luis's mother is providing for her. I don't know, Here, I kid, here's a slingshot. I'm gonna teach you how to torture the birds. <laughs> She wasn't, she wasn't perfect and she was definitely like had her own shit going on, but she cared. She did. I, I liked the grandmother. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, oh, I don't think there are any songs in this, are there? The music is really beautiful. I liked the music. So when she goes on the promenade, she's like, I decided to walk down the promenade for old time's sake. Um, mm -hmm. And the music that's playing throughout that whole scene, and when she sits down in the in the um, casino, and yeah. is sitting there and and just remembering things, I felt like that music was just gorgeous. It it does give me the like sense of being like in a like a seaside resort town. It's just very like breezy and fun. And, um, yeah, that's nice. All the gin joints in all the world. Is this a good movie? Yes. I think yeah. so. Yeah. It's not my most favoritist, but it's a good movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't have to be everybody's favorite. I, I, I like the movie. I'm glad that I watched it. That's like the, um, that's the best thing you can say about any any piece of media that you've consumed. Yeah, that's good. Um, and is the main character a good person? Louise a good person? 
I think she's a flawed person, but a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Completely agree. Would we show this to children? I would show it to older children, like teenage, yeah. like preteen, teenage kids. I think it it's a good exploration. Yeah, especially they... kids who have grandparents who may be aging and going into different stages. Like, I think it could be really impactful. Yeah, I think it could be. Um, I think I think you'd have to find a pretty uh, patient kid who'd want to watch this. So uh, maybe an no... only child of a weird mother. <laughs> uh, there's there's no Shrek and donkey popping out to like tell a fart joke every five minutes so my kid thought it was interesting like she watched it with me the second time mm -hmm. and it was intriguing like it it worked her mind she thought it was intriguing oh really mm -hmm. well interesting as one last reference i mm -hmm. was just scanning through the whole movie and <laughs> fast forward and um the racial depiction of this movie really is quite I think that would definitely have to be a, a studio note because as I scanned through it, the only people of color that were depicted were those who were in some sort of workers role. Yeah. Like there Not... was either a nanny or a lifeguard or something on the beach that was a woman of color. And then there was the guy in the casino that was playing the piano and, and that's almost it. Yeah the whole thing so that's definitely not super great not but... great at all and I think plays into not plays into but is depictive of what exactly what Melissa was addressing with the problems of what, yeah. what is well I, I wouldn't expect a 70 year old French man to like spit out an intersectional feminist film um, but you know, actually, I'd be very surprised by that. Uh, I would, just for the record, again, I'm not targeting the French. I would say the same thing for uh, America. If, yeah. if Ron Musker and John Clements came out with like an amazing intersectional feminist uh, uh, Disney movie, I'd be like, "Wow, okay, good job." Yeah. Um, so. so, anyways, I just Melissa is 100% right, and I just. Uh confirm that's all yeah well melissa's always right so. always that's why she's the champ yep. <laughs> okay. she's indeed well melissa i'm glad that you really enjoyed it um andy i'm glad you're glad you watched it <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know no. i'm no uh... I, I i feel like it's really representative of how grateful i am right now to be single <laughs> so there there might have just had an unfair bias in it for me and and i think i am in a very opposite situation yeah uh i am not happy being single so yeah you know and and again i mean i think the movie the movie is good um i <laughs> but like i said i i went back and i watched um I, Tanya, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that much more. 
rewatching. God damn that. it, Brooke! <laughs> Why did you? No, no, no! I done it. <laughs> oh, just. It it oh. was funny though, laying next to uh to Chip watching it because he was just like. I said, "Are you enjoying the movie?" And he said, "Well, I would never watch it on my own." And I said, "Okay, well, what does that mean?" And he goes, "Um, I can see why you would like this movie." Oh, <laughs> was wow. Like, Ooh, and he's like, "Yeah, like it. It actually sums up for me how I feel about you leaving me." And I was like, oh. "I mean, I didn't know what I was picking when I turned it on, but also." I'm loving it. <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit of manipulation right there, but um, well, yeah. I would I would not have if you and I were sitting there together watching this, I would have been like, "Yeah, I'm enjoying this. I don't get it exactly." Um, yeah. but I'm and and as like like I said, I didn't start vibing with the movie until Tom showed up. And then when the the crow trial happened, then I uh, <laughs> then I really I'm like, oh okay, this is great. I want <laughs> I want more of this. I like this like funny surrealist stuff. Um, but that's not you know that's not what this movie was. It's not a it's not a comedy. It's not there are some surreal elements, but it's not meant to be surrealist. It's meant to be quiet and it's meant to be contemplative and. Yeah. You know, I I like the movie where Allison Janney is, you know, yelling swear words at Margot Robbie. So, you know, I don't know. God, I Tanya is really good. I I I love Allison Janney so much, and yeah. like, and she's just so so damn good in that movie. And Sebastian Stan is good in that movie. It's like yeah. everybody's good in that movie, and and then I just I felt, um, I felt like a moment of clarity about like how how fucked up things were in the '90s with how we treated like celebrity scandals and yeah. um, pit women against each other and ran them through this 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 media cycle, and it. I'm I'm like okay well then this is exactly what we're doing you know 30 years later with Amber Heard mm -hmm. and um you know we are going to look back in 2052 and be like everybody watched that trial and that was really not fair what everybody did to her um, kind of like now with Monica Lewinsky exactly yeah. exactly yeah. I think it, everybody looks back on Tanya Harding and Monica Lewinsky and some of Britney these other Spears. Britney Spears. Um, but, you know, any women that were in like a prominent media eye, everybody was always trying to tear them down. And especially the way that movie pit, um, well, not that movie, um, she points out how the media pit her against Nancy Kerrigan mm -hmm. as though they hated each other. And then there's that great line where she's like, she's like, and all of you, you all continued this cycle of abuse. You did the same thing that my mother did to me, that my husband did to me. And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we did. 
Agreed. Have you seen it, Melissa? No. Mm -mm. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. I I I feel it, it's it's good in that sense to like revisit all of that stuff, and it just it just touched that specific nerve for me. So yeah. Anyway, welcome JB. Hey JB. So a little side conversation. Uh, we you at this point in the podcast you will not have heard JB yet, uh, but through the magic of editing. Uh, <laughs> JB is here. Hey. And <laughs> welcome, JB. Just sounding like JB. I still love this movie, even a day later. <laughs> uh, but we noticed uh, we we missed something really big here, and we wanted to circle back on it. Uh, Brooke, you had a illuminating yeah, so, conversation about this. So I was. We got done wrapping this conversation, and I was talking with a friend through Marco Polo. And he was like, oh, how'd your podcast go? And I was like, doing really well. We talked about this movie, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, holy shit. I forgot a main point that I was going to bring up, which is as we are watching this movie about kind of forced isolation and or like self-inflicted or dementia or however, whatever spin you end up taking on this movie. Um, it was interesting to me that the movie was created in 2016 and four years later the entire world was pushed into this forced isolation with COVID-19 mm -hmm. and and it was completely unexpected no one saw it coming kind of like Louise missing her train but all of a sudden the stores are shut down and life is shut down and and everything is reduced to um non-essential people not working and essential people working and everything toilet paper flying off the and people just having to be like how do we be self-reliant in this world mm -hmm. and what do we do with it and i thought that that was a really um interesting to watch this movie having gone through COVID and now be on the other side of it and all of us don't wait don't don't knock on a very big piece of wood right there yeah okay there Sorry, we go world. yeah oh, that was a dick move here comes the <laughs> monkey pox <laughs> i know so. two cases in salt lake already um <laughs> it, it's interesting though that watching this all of us kind of well i don't know about jb but the three of us had this experience where it was like the whole world wouldn't shut down she wouldn't be left in a city with no one around her without mm -hmm. options like that that can't be real and it was like for me watching the movie it was as though covid hadn't happened like yeah. i can't imagine a world where i would have to be isolated from everyone and all on my own that would be like heaven to me which interestingly enough when covid happened i was so blissful like <laughs> i loved being at home and having my family there and like only having to leave for the essential clients that I had. And, and I just, I would love to hear everyone else's thoughts on how they well, felt during COVID and the way like relating it to this movie. Well, I think, it, I think you, you, you raised two really interesting points, Brooke. One is that I, I think we all kind of watch movies in the vacuum in which they are created. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think especially the, the four of us are so sensitive to when movies are contextual, right? Like we talk about that with all the, 
the princess movies even and the trilogies and we'll remember when it was right and what was going on and does that make it better or worse i can't imagine you know and i'm sure the the three of us that are talking right now had elderly family and friends during COVID, and i feel like you know we we were pretty lucky as relatively healthy people um you know to be able to still work and continue to do things and but i remember how difficult it was for older people and and i think that's why brooke this was so fascinating to me that you brought this up is here's louise who really did have to i mean that's a pretty serious learning curve with with what you know louise had to go through at least perceptually in the movie whereas the three of us may not have had such a curve right mm-hmm. um and I think that's a really good reference point for COVID where younger, healthy people, I mean, those of us in red states saw it happen pretty extensively where nothing really, like no behavior really got changed. Yeah. Um, perceptually. And Andy, you know, I know, I know you've talked about this a lot and, and posted a lot about it, but for someone like Louise, I think it only makes this movie more interesting, Brooke, because of that perspective. Like, how how not different in a lot of ways it would have been because still a huge learning curve no one to support you, you know what i mean it's it was a fascinating idea that you had yeah and being home and stuck with your memories stuck right with the the companionship of your dog or your garden or like exploring the past and seeing what's come up for you and weird dreams and realities and things like i feel like it was a little prophetic. Did you have more vivid recollections? I mean, I know we, we talked off and on because we were chatting during this time. And, you know, pe- people were reflecting quite extensively and, and having more time to themselves. Did, do either of you remember, like, did your memories improve of the past because everything slowed down? I mean, not, not to the point where it was, you know, someone was casting. I mean, I had some really major shit come up for me. Right. That I worked through that I never have before. Like, actual, like, recollections and and unblocking of experiences of trauma from my childhood that I got to work through in new ways. That I hadn't ever had the space or time to face before. And so they came up and I got to actually work, like, it was... A good time for me to work through those things. I had the the capacity to do so in a really protective way. Yeah, not not so much for me. Um, uh, you know, I was experiencing a whole lot of different challenges and and things. But um, yeah, nothing nothing analogous to to this movie or what um, Brooke went through. So. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I, I just wondered because I feel like a lot of people struggled in different ways, right? Like, yeah. you know, ma- many things were manifested that the silence and the quiet were, were being hidden from, right? By the bustle and and go, go, go of life in general. Um, you know, we, we joke about it in, in a lot of areas where, um, you know, things were much harder because people were home all the time. And, and you couldn't you, you couldn't escape from things that you, you probably should have escaped from earlier, right? Whether it's careers or um, internal conflicts in life. So, so yeah, I, I think Brooke, that's really interesting. I, I don't remember my 
dreams were any more vivid per se, but I do, you know, and Andy, like we talked about it, I, I remembered a lot more of what we did in high school than I would have before because I, I had time to slow down and think and go, oh, that's really interesting. Again, to the point where it was, um, you know, a fantastical dream of things, not as much as Louise, but um, I do. I think the quiet helped stimulate a lot of things for people. Um, and, and as you said, Andy, maybe both good and bad. Yeah. As, as I said earlier in the, in the podcast, like Brooke was like, Oh, this kind of seems like my idea of heaven. I'm like, no, this is hell for me. (laughs) Uh, And, and you know, the, what the pandemic did bring up for me is like how much I do need human interaction with people. And like, I couldn't go do my most favorite things in the world like my idea of a great time is go see a movie at the alamo draft house and then go into uh, one of their karaoke rooms next door at the highball and you know and hang out with friends and do karaoke for a couple hours and like that's my idea of the perfect evening and yeah can't do any of that um so it's like okay well what what can I do? And, uh, you know, found different ways to connect with, with people and with friends. Uh, this podcast I think was, you know, really helpful in a lot of that, but you know, other, other things, um, that, you know, I was, I was doing with people, but you know, I, I didn't, um, I didn't have that experience that either of you did where I was doing a lot of reflecting backwards, um, mostly because I was facing a lot of like turmoil in my own life of what the pandemic was bringing, like in the moment that I like had to deal with rather than being able to slow down and, uh, like recollect is just like, Oh, okay. Just like, heaping more piles of shit onto my plate every day. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to reference it back to the movie, but I, I feel like there's, there's parts of that throughout, right? It's not all wine and roses for Louise. Oh, of course not. I mean, like when Pepper leaves, it's like, well, I guess that's it. Right. Um, you know, so there's lots of parts where, I, th- I think it's it's overwhelming um you know it, it never as as intriguing as the movie was you know I, I kept waiting for that time of solace for her to feel like a win and you know, and brooke i don't know if if you felt differently but I, I i kind of felt like a lot of what i was watching was was very melancholy um you know whereas someone like me as an only child would probably have felt more uplifting parts right oh yeah i get to do my hobbies more and this and this and this and i mm-hmm. i kind of felt like louise didn't get that chance and maybe that's again a good reference point to the, the COVID thing that you brought up because it didn't seem like it was a, a time of peace and comfort for a, a lot of people especially elderly because they were stuck they were the most at risk they had the most to lose um people stayed away from them to keep them safe and yeah, what what a tough gig, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you don't see her as having had a win, and maybe Andy, you don't either. Um, and, and we talked about this earlier in the the podcast itself, how 
or maybe it's later. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to be edited. Sorry, friends. Um, <laughs> Pretend it's earlier. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Earlier about how for me coming out of a relationship, coming out of a place of like emotional, mental, physical exhaustion of taking care of all of the pieces of all of the lives around me for the last four years, like I am wiped. And so watching her, it was just like, the I, and I said this earlier, I had to watch it twice before I really understood that this wasn't a literal sense of her being left in the town. Like it was so intriguing and inviting, like, like Andy referenced my idea of heaven, of being left in a town to myself with no one else to take care of and get to hang out with a dog all the time and have a garden and explore the past. And like, I saw that as a win for her. I felt in the beginning where she was trapped in her house and surrounded by the things that were confining her and she had to drink and the storm came and like that part was like, oh, that's painful. Like that is like being in a, in a tomb but then she leaves that and she breaks into this space of, I, I thought they would come. And so I tried to walk to them and I couldn't walk to them. And so I went back to the train station and I built myself a house and I broke it and I broke through all of the things that society has put around me to exploring myself again. And I felt like she very much had a win. And then she found the dog and she, she, and when the people came back, she was like, huh, what a hullabaloo really wish they would leave those kids at home. I'm going to yeah. leave and walk down the beach with my dog because and that's a good point, Brooke. I think I was referring to, um, like, I felt like her memories were so sad. Like, I, I you know, cause sometimes when we're alone, we reflect and, and we remember mm -hmm. things in a, in a more uplifting way. And I think I, I really like what you said there. I, I think I was referring to, like if I'm by myself, sometimes I'll think back and I'll go, oh, remember this thing that Andy and I did? Oh, that was really fun. Or, you know, Aaron Fry falling into popcorn, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> so, That's so fascinating. I, I wish Melissa was here because she actually brought up a point about how um, we only think about the sad memories. And right. she, she asked and she wondered, do any of you remember the good times or do you only remember the sad times? And and in reference to the bird trial right of she doesn't remember her life because it was happy and do we only our memories only made up of sad things that are scary or trying to protect us or or what like how does that work yeah and i i, I think that's a really good point i i would probably say the the lows are much lower um mm. but i remember a lot of good times too i i think it's I, I wonder, and I know there's research published on this, and I, I can't remember what it is, but I, I think the lows are habitually so much lower than our traditional highs or neutral that, that we predispose to remembering that. But I, I think to some degree, like you said, Brooke, I remember a lot of good times. Um, I just remember them probably differently. Like when you remember a sad time, you feel it, I think, more viscerally, where like I remember the shows that Andy and I did at the station, right? And yeah. and I look back at them and I I don't have as visceral reaction, but I, I have like a 
a, a, like a warm, oh, we were in Arby's basement. Like, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I think, you know, and, and maybe it's just, it, it, like you said, as you get older and reflect, maybe um, you lose some of the positive because there's more neutral or, or negative. I don't know. But it's, it's a good point. I think I feel the sadness a lot more than I feel the happiness. But, you know, maybe that could be, uh, in general, the three of us seem like pretty happy people. Um, so maybe the sad is a little more surprising to us. I would love to, to do a poll, like a worldwide poll. <laughs> um, the pollster in me is like, well, how do we do this? Um, <laughs> it's, it's a happiness census, y'all. Brooke's coming for you. <laughs> but I would love to see, like, what the correlation is between how people feel about this movie to how they felt about COVID in general. Yeah. It's like, very interesting. Yeah. I would love to, to understand that more. Like, like this is Andy's idea of hell and my idea of heaven. And, and I would say like, if I were a betting person, I don't think Andy that you and I are really all that different worldview wise. And like, in, in a lot of ways, but yet things like this bring up such drastically different reactions in us. Um, it would just be, unless you think I'm totally off base on that, which I'm totally off. No, I don't, I don't think so at all, actually. And, you know, it, it's, it's funny, though. I don't think that, like, 90% of my angst in like the years 2020 to 2022 have actually nothing to do with COVID or the pandemic. It's everything else. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and, and like COVID's like background noise and it was like annoying, but like I did kind of like being able to work from home and that being like a new norm. Mm -hmm. I like being around my family and my dog all the time that's great like let's do that more i like normalizing uh you know everybody getting on zoom and being social and like a, a new form of interaction like i thought that was great but you know i i did miss karaoke though i i joked with my therapist um that um, I thought it was funny that like my that my insurance will pay for weekly therapy, but not for uh, karaoke. And she's like, "Why? <laughs> why is that? Why do you think that's um, why do you think that's so helpful for you?" And I'm like, "Well, it's it's fun, it's public, but it's it's a lot like therapy because you have to be honest." And you have to, and yeah. it's very, uh, it's a useful place for me to channel my emotions um, that might not be uh, helpful, but I can go sing an angry song, a sad song, um, you know, and get that out of my system. And if I'm being honest, then it feels good and I feel better. And um, so it was like, not that I'd been using it as like a crutch, but like that was something that was very helpful for me and something that I really enjoyed. 
So. And as and as someone who loves his rendition of the classic tune "Zombie," I will tell you it is very <laughs> cathartic to be there with him um, when he lets it fly. So. Yeah. God, I would love that. Well, and I wonder, and, and the two of you make a really good point, which I, it, it, I think a lot of it also affected how your livelihood was changed. Mm -hmm. right? Like my my situation didn't change very much, right? You know, we were able to work from home. Um, family stayed home, right? You had the kids around. You had the dog around. People were around more. Um, you know, some, some of those scenarios, I think, turn out well. And, and again, I think that goes back to like you said, Brooke, it's a really interesting mirror because to people who do not like the solace and, and who were affected, Louise's story is probably traumatic, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh my God, putting a lean-to up and not having anything to do and those kinds of things. I can see where some people in the COVID sense would have a hard time with this movie. Yeah. Um, and I think some of us are like, oh, thank God, fine, like, quiet. And... You know, I mean, again, like her little lean-to, like her that, bed but... turns into a table. It's like the perfect little tiny home. Like, <laughs> it's like fucking amazing. And then I realized that that really would be like horrific to people. And it, it, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, I think, I mean, and I think also in context, it, it's, it's good in the sense that the people around Louise just left, not were completely decimated by a world plague or something, right? right. That's that's the other problem is it's hard in the context if everyone around you died from a disease rather than just left. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, they have those children's books called All My Friends Are Dead, and it goes through, like, the brontosaurus and mm -hmm. the planet, right? Um, like, that. that's a much different scenario in this but i i really like that you brought it up bro because it, it it it's fascinating how a movie like this affects people differently depending on the situation and the time frame mm -hmm. and who knows if i would have had the same reaction to it last year right even being in the same space of, of being in a, a breakup my mental state this year is so much different like i don't know i don't know what i but it is interesting and, and having lost you know personally and, and through my just my two sisters and I knowing of almost 50 people who passed away from COVID yeah. um, it's it's not as though I was untouched by it and I've definitely seen the hardness of it of having someone pass and not being able to be there be connected to them or have the the proper celebration and things like clearly like, that would be a different movie telling that movie of isolation than, right. than this one but it was interesting to me to watch it and then think about it again as having just gone through covid it was a lot harder also, it was it was forced on a lot of people, and, and they didn't have the means or the ability to to provide for themselves or grow a garden or be in this little fantasy land. Obviously, there's some big differences there, but it was interesting. You know, I, I like Brooke. I, I kind of went back and thought about the movie and went, where where does my perception change? And really, it's just the entire context, right? Because you do you watch this. I don't want to say whimsical. But, you know, in 2016, it's a little bit more um, 
like, oh, what a nice, what, what an interesting reflection of a life, right? And, and what people remember and what context they have to remember things in. And then Brooke sends that email. I'm like, oh my gosh, that would have, that in a lot of ways would have spun this movie on its head for me, right? Like mm -hmm. the context would have been totally different. So, um, yeah, you know, those of you who haven't watched it, who are now going to watch it because of Brooke's recommendation may be interesting to put yourself in two timeframes when, when you look at it and go, huh, um, you know, how does, how does it skew when I'm, when I'm in that perspective? Yeah. Pre-pandemic, it's a totally different movie than, uh, viewed through the lens of post-pandemic. So, yeah, it was the same with Blade. Like if you watch Blade thinking of COVID, you're like, oh, I'd never be in a room with all those people. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the blood sprinklers. I'm just not even here. Especially <laughs> Donald Logue. Jeez. <laughs> I am not getting on that magic carpet with you, sir, until you are vaccinated and <laughs> negative test within 72 hours. That's right. You know, I'm watching, I'm watching a TV show right now. It's ABC's um, A Million Little Things. Mm -hmm. it, and I've been streaming it at night because... I am an insomniac, and when things change in my life, sleep is the first thing to go. Like, I don't sleep. Um, and so just, like, getting resituated to my own space and not having someone in my bed and not, like, the anxiety of someone... Like, it, I just don't sleep. And so I find shows to, to watch that I won't feel too bad about if I fall asleep during an episode and that I won't try to keep myself awake to watch it. So I've been watching this show and it's actually been much more interesting than I thought it was going to be when I started watching it. But it wasn't until a couple of seasons in, like season into season two, that I realized that the whole show was pre-pandemic and that it hadn't happened yet. And now in the third season, they're just going into COVID and in the episode I'm on, they just got to George Floyd and it's been really fascinating watching this play out on a t TV show because like I watch Grey's Anatomy and I watch um, This Is Us like don't judge me internet world I don't judge you I, I love them I can't give them up but I experienced COVID in real time with those TV shows right so it wasn't like I was experiencing it after the fact but then being introduced to this whole new world or universe and having COVID not have happened and me not realizing that it hadn't happened yet in the show and experiencing it through their eyes now after the fact for me, but currently for them has been, it's been really emotional actually. <laughs> like I've watched it and there've been times where I've just been crying and, and the George Floyd things coming back up and realizing that in the previous episodes, when these people, like the people of color were like saying, Hey, you can't act that way around police officers with me. Something's going to happen to me. In my mind, George Floyd had already happened. And in my mind, they were already in this like heightened sense and realizing now that those were their reactions before and, and still like having it be that heavy before and now having this happen in their reality. Like it's, I was full on sobbing when I got to that episode today. Like, holy shit. Yeah. So much has changed over the last four years and the world has gone through so much and all of this, like, sure, it's dramatized for TV, but these writers didn't know that it was going to be coming up 
and they still wrote it into their show and it's really fucking heavy and so Louise by the Shore would have been a different movie but it is also interesting to see how each of us has reacted to it differently post-COVID and I just I would I would love to pull the world and figure out and just just look at the trends and see what's there just be interesting that's all I'm done oh Brooke Brooke I love this movie even if you're done talking about it I just had to come on and say I loved it I, well I love Pepper Never. <laughs> so, I, I thought it was I thought it was well, so fun to just go through this movie so so thank you for recommending it oh you're welcome awesome do you do you have any anything else you want to add or do we want to reveal your your well the, I guess I you know I was gonna have well I mean I just I thought the movie was great I mean I think you know, Andy, we, we've talked about that for years, right? And, you know, when you get to a point in your life where you realize half of it's over, um, you do a lot of what Louise does, right? Um, where you reflect and how much of your reflection is, you know, reality or story or... But the, the, the trick is, it's always better to do it with a dog. So as my dog comes in and licks the top of my head. So anyway, <laughs> good timing. Thanks. <laughs> but, so the movie that you're bringing us that apparent, I, I'm assuming then the, also there, I, there is no dog in it, but I may have to adjust because I don't know if it's, if it's streaming um, because okay. I was going to have you all watch Bella Poke, which we talked about. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it so, is not streaming anyway. Um, I had a couple of others. I I wanted you guys. I, it was terrible, Andy, but I kind of thought we should watch Runaway with Tom Selleck with Gene Simmons as the bad guy. But that movie is so horrible. No, wait, is that have I, Nancy Allen in it too? It Jesus does. Christ, that movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> it was such a terrible <laughs> oh movie. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't believe you remember it. <laughs> That's so great. It's wow. it's so bad. It's like they, they strap robot legs to telephones and they chase Tom Selleck around like it's like a police thing, right? That these these robots are supposed to help with all this stuff and they end up just going bad and killing people with like hypodermic needles in the robot body. Um so anyway, Andy, what's Wow. It's, it's, I can't even I can't even explain how horrible the movie is. Um shoot, I was really hoping we'd watch Bella Pope, but I'm really bummed it's not. What? Right, it's that's so frustrating whenever there's a movie that like you can't even find it like for paid. You know what, you know what we ought to watch Grieving just out somewhere. of an homage? Have, have you all seen Tremors? Yes, many years ago. But oh, so Tremors is—it's a Fred Ward movie, and I—I I was thinking we should watch Remo Williams, but I'm pretty sure that one. There's no way that one can be streamed. Um, so what if we do Tremors, Andy? It's kind of like a a definite Disney princess break. Well, here's here's the thing though: is Tremors is a franchise. It's true. There are. There are like six or seven of those. There was there was the one with Kevin Bacon, then Fred Ward took over for the second, and then there was 
seven or eight Michael Gross led <laughs> ones, which all are progressively right. worse. <laughs> right. Except the one in so, Antarctica. That one was pretty entertaining. <laughs> so I mean, if if we were to, then it would just be here, like here you go, Andy. Oh, let's let me see if this is streaming. Because if it is, then this could be the possibly the the best Cold War um, movie I could potentially recommend. It is. I would like us to watch. Are you ready, Andy? Okay. Robot Jocks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's that's the best I can come up. So Robot Jocks is this movie that Andy and I watched in high school. It's about. It's like the precursor to Pacific Rim. Giant robots battle for large chunks of land. Um, so like Russia will fight the U.S. for some part of the land. But it's it's only like an hour and 15 minutes long. Um, but it does have like a and, little bit of um, like Cold War vibe for Andy. So, yeah, yeah, it's and I remember it also not being super great but like also somewhat enjoyable but short people do like so. it. it has some weird like um like demolition man type homages right like it's super campy yeah. but but there's all kinds yeah. of like um what would you call it aldous huxley type stuff where only yeah. the strongest get to breed and all this weird kind of stuff but it was either that or Demolition Man. I feel like we've probably all, all done the Demolition Man thing. So what about Robot Jock? I don't know. Demolition Man would be fun, too. What, so. Brooke and... and... I oh haven't seen Demolition Man either. Oh! Oh, well, then I'm, I'm switching Robot Jock. Okay, good. Sorry. Good. Yeah, he's let's, like, let's oh, for God's sake, man. please don't make me watch <laughs> <laughs> Robot Jocks is so, we'll have to watch it someday because it's so campy and enjoyable. It's it's like really bad Voltron Pacific Rim. But let's do Demolition Man, because I do love that is that is one of my top three all-time favorite movies. Yeah, and that's um that's a definitely a very JB movie. And it looks like it is and very, and very prescient, right, Andy? Uh, who knew that that was the movie that would be most realistic to our COVID yeah, times? Totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's on Netflix and looks like it may also be available on Hulu. Okay. Well, so. this is going to be a great transition from the meaningful, heartfelt, joyous movie that Brooke recommended to Stallone and Snipes punching each other. Oh. Not joyous oh, to oh. all. Some, I thought it was. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Other than she did have uh, the beast's nose. <clears throat> That's okay. She, I, I, I like Louise. She's great. She's a great gal. Like you, you, Andy, were you anti-Louise? <laughs> no, I was. I was. I was fine with Louise. I didn't. I didn't get it at first, and it took me a minute to like start vibing with the movie, and then, and then I started. I really liked the music. I think that's probably why I liked it. But I did like it more when the dog showed up. Okay. Well, well, cool. I like that. Demolition Man. That is going to be be a fun movie. I feel so bad because you probably had this really 
existential conversation. And then it's like, Dan Cortez plays the piano. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So there's, Rob I, I Schneider, don't know. There's... Right? As the police. Oh, God. I hate Rob Schneider. He gives me the heebies. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, America's sweetheart, uh, Sandra Bullock's in she here, is. too. There's a ton, She's great. There's a ton of people yeah. in this movie that you look back and you go, wow, that, that person was popular? This, that movie, it it's weird. It feels like it didn't get the it didn't get the specifics of twenty twenty two right, but it kind of got the vibe right. That makes sense. So, yeah. I, I'm interested, Brooke and Melissa. Again, it is very schlocky. It's very terrible. There is a lot of Dennis Leary. Um, What's it um, rated? It's R, it's right? R, but but nowadays it's probably but it's like a PG. it's a soft R. It's a, I didn't watch rated R PG thirteen these days. I think this movie was. I, I was just curious if I would watch it with oh, my kid or not. Oh, if you watch um, it, your crew will probably just crack up at how dated and cheesy it is. Um, it it was. I will say <laughs> the movie was funny enough that our Andy and my friend Aaron Fry laughed so hard he rolled off of a couch into a bowl of popcorn. So, <laughs> yep. It's a movie that fourteen-year-old yep. boys laughed at. So I apologize to the three of you. <laughs> in yeah. Uh, well, maybe it isn't on Netflix. Uh-oh. Am I? Huh. All of my movies suck so bad. <laughs> no, but this has got to be streaming somewhere. So let's see. It's. I'm sure it's. It should be on the Taco Bell channel. Indeed. Hulu. Yeah. Yeah, then Hulu. Yeah. If if anybody needs me. Ooh, and I think it's I think it's also in HBO Max. No, that isn't working. Okay, never. If anyone needs Hulu. Same same with any other. Same here. Yeah. I will gladly support the two ninety nine and also pay for everyone's Amazon Prime video because I love the movie that much. So Yeah. Okay. Cool. Demolition Man. Get ready for um Snipes Mania. God, can you... So hey, we're we're back to Wesley Snipes. That'll be He fun. was so big during this movie. That's what's so weird about it. Like and then just all the tax stuff. It's so weird. He was such a... I mean, he made so much money for this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he was this was like the okay. MTV movie. Yeah. Well, uh, Demolition Man next week. Um, thanks, Brooke, for, for choosing Louise by the Shore. And happy birthday. Yay, happy birthday! And... Yay, happy birthday! Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye! 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 Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.